1: Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Games at Work.biz. This is Michael Martin. I'm joined today by my friend and co host, Michael Rowe. And we're missing our friend, Andy Piper, today, who is out. Uh, uh, the word gallivanting springs to mind, but it's probably, it's probably yes. not gallivanting. I, he's, I
0: love that word, yeah, though. I, that, that's the perfect. And, 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 you know, he is going to, uh, he's going down to Liverpool to do nothing. Yeah, well, Which is a great song by the Bangles.
1: That, that would be a, a great song by the Bangles. Maybe we need to add that in our show notes. so We, we can, should add that to the show notes so we can we have should. people listen to that.
0: Yes, while while listening to the show and and like stream one half in one ear and the other half in the other ear and and just kind of z- merge it together in a Maker Fair extravaganza. Uh,
1: yes, and and for the anyone listening here, uh, we don't believe Andy's going to a Maker Fair, but that would be no. funny to He's imagine if he was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, well, so um, we're recording here on a Friday like we normally do right in front of a holiday weekend in the U.S. where those of us in the U.S. celebrate um, our Independence Day uh, from members of other places in the world.
0: Well, that's why Andy's not on the show, as we had to declare our independence this episode. Yeah, well, it's, it's
1: only temporary, temporary independence yes. from Andy, right? But, <laughs> he, he is part of the empire. E- exactly. After, all, after after all. and And we've got a ton of fantastic links that we are going to do our very best to get through with sufficient insight information uh that you our listeners demand from the games at work team so we're gonna start and, with a and,
0: well, what and, who? and what? we huh? have a new listener yes we have a new listener we want to say thank you we had a new subscriber to our blog uh we don't know who you are we, we saw you subscribe with the Apple hide my email, which is great. So thank you. Uh, drop comments on the show. Uh, follow us on Mastodon at gamesatwork.biz at bots in space or any other of our many, many different social media. Or why don't you go to your favorite podcatcher and rate and subscribe to our show, too?
1: I think we're asking a lot of every new listener to do all of those things, Michael, don't you think? Well,
0: we, we actually want all our old listeners to do all those same things. <laughs> <laughs> Because they'll help others find us, like
1: this new listener. So um, this this one is for you, new listener. Um, uh, We have a a spooky thing that um, the Gizmodo team identified for us about how scientists are able to create three D images from eye reflections. So if you're you're one of those folks, and Michael and I are one of those folks uh, who has their camera on right? Um, well, that, that depends if we're individual or the, the same. I don't know. Anyway, th- this article talks about looking at a, and it's, it's scary because you're looking right into somebody's eye to be able to recreate what the person is looking at based upon the reflection of what they're looking at in their eyes. So, I could imagine how this sort of thing could be easily used by someone say, oh, I don't know, uh, looking at a document while they're on a Zoom or WebEx or FaceTime call. And you could probably also understand and see and read and recreate what it is that they're looking at if they're looking at a document while they're on a call. So.
0: Well, what I what I loved about this story, right, is because I mean, they talk about the the, the tie in to CSI, and I think CSI actually did an episode on this really? within the last five years. Hmm. Uh, so, so it's interesting. We're we're back into the mode of where technology is catching up with the imagination of our TV writers <laughs> and 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 movie industry, uh, which is. At one time, really cool, and the other time, really scary. Uh, the, the interesting part here uh, is it's, it sounds cooler than it is always because it's just starting, right? Uh, when, when you actually look at the examples, it's 3D objects. I don't think you'd be able to read the paper yet. The resolution isn't there. Mm. But if you go to, say, 8K cameras instead of 4K cameras, right? maybe that gets you the extra pixels. Um, and the the stereoscopicness of the eyes right because you have two cameras on your face that it can get the distance between in order to draw the triangle that's necessary to capture the three-dimensional shape of the item that you're looking at so uh, i think i think flat objects will actually be harder (laughs) uh but yeah very cool and of course um potentially scary but uh, interesting <laughs> I, I enjoyed reading that one
1: yeah the the, the eyes have it so to speak uh, and uh, uh, and uh, uh, and it's similar uh. to some of the other spy related things that we've seen before about measuring the uh, window pane. Uh, vibrations to interpret sound, or looking at keyboard uh, fingerprint kind of structures, then to recreate passwords and a whole range of other fun. I think we've stuff like that. A
0: couple of weeks ago, I think we had a couple that didn't make it into the show, but were in the show note on uh, using lasers to decode stuff from a distance. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> so all kinds of stuff like that. Now, th- this is very easy to decode. Um, there's a report yes. here that uh, Google has. Said, "Hey, goodbye to Project Iris." Uh, there's another "I" reference for you, in case you want it. Um, that was their headset, their AR headset. So, Michael, having they had the prior version of the headset, as you described on a fu- couple of shows here in the past, um, how does this make you feel? Are you sad?
0: I'm not surprised at all. Uh, th- what what to what to me this story reveals is is more a couple of different things. One um, that Google is threatened financially uh, by the, uh, on their search business and their ad business by things like the Reddit strike, right? Mm -hmm. People trying to raise the price of getting access to the data that they make their money off for free, right? Crawling the net, getting information. And so the ability to spend money on more interesting side projects, which Google is well-known for killing off all the time, right? They, they do a lot of interesting things like this. The other thing, though, that I think is more interesting in the story is really about the fact that Google, Samsung, and Qualcomm earlier this year announced a partnership. Uh, and, and what this tells me around AR and possibly licensing the technology for others to build around it, right? So not doing it themselves, but really become the platform and licensing it to others. Um, And it tells me, if I were to put my my, my tinfoil hat on, Mm -hmm. that, you know, Samsung makes a lot of displays for Apple. They might have seen what was coming with the Vision Pro and realized that they're not going to be anywhere near it. Google sees... Based off of their partnership, they're nowhere near the technology uh, that they were trying to showcase with uh, Iris from Google I.O. last year. Um, and, and maybe it's better to do with the platform, license it to the low-cost providers who will compete in the low end of the market and kind of secede the the high end to Apple until they catch back up.
1: Hmm. Interesting. It could also be a cross patent licensing opportunity too, where Samsung has got cameras and displays and Google's got inventive capability, a whole range of other stuff. And maybe that's, you know, the other mechanism.
0: Yeah. So, so I don't take this as, oh my God, they've killed it off. It's like, okay, they have a different focus that makes more sense and is better aligned with their corporate vision of what they actually do. Right. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Um,
0: so, so staying on the same
1: theme of, uh, things changing, uh, in the sense of, uh, items and businesses deciding to stop work on certain things, um, the register has an article, uh, yet, yet another doomed, I tell you, uh, metaverses <laughs> are flopping and hard, according to Gartner. Um, so this is a register article. Uh, by Simon Sharwood that describes this in more than some detail dealing with over 52 metaverse providers And there are certainly uh, a number of points that are in here and we've got another story or two that's going to lend itself really well to the to the Apple uh, entrance into the market too um, which to me is metaverse as a destination is still a separate and distinct, space than augmented reality completely different so vr can have an ar component to it but doesn't have to metaverse is in the way it seems that many journalists and others are describing it really liken them more to vr and to me that says okay yeah sure you are not going to have a multiplicity of metaverses and destinations in a VR that are going to survive. You're going to have some, but AR is still where it's at, at least in my book.
0: Yeah. When I, when I read this story, I, my, my gut reaction is how can they flop hard if they haven't really taken off? <laughs> right? yeah, that's true <laughs> it's, too. It's a bit of a he- headline grab, but the interesting part to me was the, the users that they call out who are still actively engaged in this environment are the Gen Z users, Mm-hmm. They're the up-and-coming users, right? They're the people born in the 90s. So, yeah, in a corporate environment for VR, for meetings and things of that nature. Right. Um, yeah. The the powers that be in corporations, I include us in that, are old fuddy-duddies, right? And, and they don't get it. And so they're like, oh, we wasted all this money. It's going to die off and we're done with it. But they're not the ones who 5, 10, 15 years from now will be leading those corporations. It will be the general Zers who have adopted the technology, who are engaged in this space. So it can't flop because it was never a huge success yet. And two, um, I think we're still in that phase of trying to figure out what people are going to use it for. Is VR for entertainment and AR for business? Right? I I don't know. But it'll be interesting to see what plays out over the next couple of years.
1: It it, it absolutely will. Um, It absolutely will. Now one example of a vr experience that we've talked about on this podcast over many many years the second life and we have a an intriguing article it's uh it's behind a um log in and read more kind of a paywall here uh, but it's it's well worth looking at because uh the author wagner james o um, actually, isn't that the one of the guys? Isn't it James Al the Avatar name in Second Life? For yeah, him?
0: we we hung out with him a lot yeah. during the Second Life days back back in the day. In the day. And he's stayed in that in that industry, really monitoring the space the whole time. Uh, he he recently published a new book uh, within the last couple of years that was really really interesting about the you know Second Life and the metaverses et cetera. Uh, so uh, I as soon as I saw his byline on this article, mm-hmm. I knew it would be well written and well, well treated so yeah. his book uh, is what, called what, what making a metaverse
1: that matters in case you yes. uh, in case you want to find that later uh, what what i liked about this is was not the usual treatment of oh yeah there's this thing called second life and it was around for a long time and blah 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 um yeah. what what he did is he really went a little bit more into the culture about what second yep. life is like now and how it's evolved over time and drew a number of parallels to the, the world around the digital goods and the like. So second yeah. life was very early in the sense of cr- people creating digital goods. You could get a car in second life. That was a very realistic version of the same vehicle in real life. And it obviously took a lot of time and energy to go make that car. Or or that outfit or uh, whatever it I, may I, be.
0: I made furniture and it took hours and hours to make a simple TV stand. Yes, <laughs> yes.
1: And, and it was an important characteristic of Second Life to allow for uh, fiat money uh, to be converted into Linden dollars and then vice versa. So it was a way for you with your furniture creation and others to monetize their work. And a lot of people, and this was an interesting part of the article, um, had uh, what do they call them? Oldies, right? Oldie community members who've been around for quite mm-hmm. a while, have an, an extensive inventory of purchased with real money goods that they had created in the Second Life environment. We've we've talked about this for a long time too, because the treatment of those three dimensional objects and goods that are infinitely, because they're software, saleable and duplicate, du- uh, duplicatable. duplicatable, that's yes, a that's hard it. word to stumble <laughs> over. Um, uh, you need more coffee. <laughs> probably so. I've only had the one cup today. But it. Um, it, it th- those are not things that have been readily exported, at least not to my knowledge, Michael, out of Second Life and then to something else. Is there is there a facility to take your table there, and export there, it and then bring it into another environment?
0: Well, there there were tools way back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine that would allow you to both import and export three D models yeah. uh, into and out of Second Life. So the short answer is there should be yes. Mm. The import into another environment is the bigger question, right? Right. That, that's the whole the whole metaverse angle of it. The, the the thing that I always found interesting about Second Life, and he calls it out here with the integration with Chat GPT. Was the fact that it had these open interfaces for APIs to allow you to extend things, and and Andy, uh, I remember had worked with the team at Wimbledon to do some of the ball tracking stuff that we did in Second Life. Right. He and Ian worked on that with the Hawkeye um, solution, right? Yeah, I don't remember what the 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 real tech was, but they did the real work in Second Life. Uh, and uh, the the other thing that I found really interesting about this, and and it got me thinking about this, was you know. Uh, James doesn't say it's over, right? It is still ongoing. There are still people in there. There are 500 groups on different categories and things of that nature. And it got me thinking, uh, when was the last time you were in Second Life? Because I was trying to remember the last time it was
1: for me. It's been a while. I mean, Has been this year? No, no, no. It, it's at least a okay. year, probably two since I've logged
0: in. Yeah. I, I know I went in earlier this year and it's interesting, the things that have stayed and the things that have disappeared, Mm, right? mm -hmm. Not a big surprise there. Uh, But but what I was wondering for the people who stayed consistently, what made them stay? I think it was the community. It wasn't the technology because the technology has constantly changed um, and, and it's still very interesting. And they they even built a whole new um, uh, browser that, that did higher fidelity and all this other stuff. Uh, but the thing that I miss when I go in is some of the communities that I used to hang out with. Um, so anyway, it, interesting and uh, well, well-written article. Um, if you have... Apple News Plus, you can get the full article, uh, but we'll have the public link uh, from The Atlantic in the show notes. And you
1: can sign up and and subscribe or uh, do a free trial and that sort of thing too last thing I'll say about this is I just recently completed the, a book called the overstory by Richard powers. And inside of this book, there is an example of one of the characters who also builds virtual worlds like this and the complicated, um, engines for rendering things in 3d and the economics engines Mm -hmm. and so on too. And the, the, the freedom that it provides for people to be something other than they are in real life has been a really transformative experience. And you'll see that in the article here too, if you were to care to read it. So interesting stuff, not your usual, uh, treatment.
0: And, and, and that's the thing that I, that I've to, to back to last week for 30 seconds or less. That's the thing I really like about the dev kit for the vision pro hmm. is all that 3d stuff is very simple. Mm-hmm. So so the average developer should be able to get into it at least in the vision pro environment.
1: So cool. So so we've got a couple articles on Meta's vision uh, sorry Quest Plus um yes. and the first one here was a notion about how you can subscribe and get a couple of games per month. And Michael, you had a Point of view or perspective on this that you want to share?
0: Yeah, and and, and it's one of the reasons why I love our title, you know, the Meta Empire Strikes Back, uh, because you know after the announcement at the beginning of June, uh, Meta has done a drip, drip, almost every week of new things with the Quest, mm-hmm. right? Yep. One of the big things that that uh, is rumored, even though it wasn't featured very much at WWDC, is a push into gaming with Apple, right? Right. Especially around the Vision Pro. So immediately we hear Quest saying, "Hey, we're going to have a gaming subscription and it's going to give you these free games and blah 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 blah." Well, you've got Apple Arcade and you can play hundreds of Apple Arcade games on the Vision Pro unmodified. So so that's the mm. first thing is hey, wait a minute, they're going to get into our space with gaming we need to declare in advance of it coming out next year. Not a big surprise. Um, It'll be interesting to see the games. I know Andy is not on the show this week. He has a Quest. So I wonder if he's going to subscribe to it and hopefully we'll get some reviews of some of the new games.
1: That That would be super cool there is um there's a fast company article here talking about how the metaverse is alive and well specifically focused on a couple of areas of interest for us one a local interest around epic games and one a big interest around lego in general and the, the main concept here is that epic had created the unreal editor for fortnite and that yeah. is exactly what Lego is using to integrate into the set of tools within the lego group to get to a spot and a point where it's it's nearly indistinguishable at least according to the article uh side-by-side photos of what is created in the unreal engine and what can be created in real life and being able to tell the difference between the two
0: yeah, that's that's just fantastic. I I'm uh, I I know uh, we won't see that in the Vision Pro, yeah. right? <laughs> because of the Epic Apple fight, but uh, this this is the type of stuff where it kind of goes directly against the previous story of they're all flopping, right? <laughs>
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly and and it's funny because i'm playing lego castaways these days on the apple arcade which is one of the games Ah, that's there and to me i I like the notion that we're not trying to be so photorealistic on every level and you've got the typical humor and engagement that you get out of lego type games when you're having those sorts of things so nifty neato um Back to Meta for a moment. Um, there's an article here that says that MetaQuest 2 owners basically have gotten themselves a lovely software update that makes them now almost uh, Quest 2.5s. So this is yet another point for for Andy when he comes back from his uh, his gallivanting experience.
0: And, and again, I think a defensive move from the Vision Pro, right? <laughs> it's like, hey, hey, no, our stuff is better. It really is. All we got to do is change the software well and
1: that's (laughs) what it's supposed to be right if you can continuously evolve your software you're going to be in a good spot and take it on forward from there right I I think it's great I can't wait to see the competition Um, now uh, a a listener link that came in also is a video about a game in the meta experience called earthbending earthbending in VR and uh, the video that we'll share is a, an interesting one about how you do learning, which is a, is a part of partially gameplay and it's partially the frustration of trying to operate in a 3d environment and position your hands just so to get the desired effect. So,
0: well, I, I was hoping you would immediately get the meta the quest, uh, because it's, it's a, it's a uh, martial arts simulator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's to me, it's all about the balance between it being too easy and too hard. And how do you tune a a VR game? You want it realistic for the workout aspect. And you know, if you're really good at this game, will that translate over into some kind of martial arts? It, it appears to be a martial arts game, um, but if it's too hard, uh, it as the guy spent you know hours and hours and hours to get to the point where he actually enjoyed it. Um, it, it that balance is going to be really interesting to see as more and more games and experiences. Another thing on the Vision Pro is the rumor that health, you know, workout wasn't covered at all by Apple. Yeah. So are they seeding this market, or are they just waiting till they get something? working a little bit better later in the fall before they announce
1: something. Well, you can already do that on your watch. You don't need to do that with goggles on necessarily, right? Well... It's it's precision. <laughs> so so our, our friend Ian is a big Beat Saber fan, and yep. when um, my friend sent me this, I immediately thought of that experience. And yes, there's a, there's a martial arts aspect to this, but uh, last time I checked, it's awfully hard to generate energy, you know, a la Dragon Ball Z with your hands, which is part of what this earth bending kind of game is all about.
0: Yeah, I mean, but it's it it it's funny they 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 have these these floating hands. Yes, that you. You're trying to line up, and you know if you're if you're taking your punch and not twisting exactly right, it doesn't work. Right? Yeah, and there's a way to break
1: your wrist if you don't know how to punch properly. So, exactly. So the user experience of matching w- from a training perspective and learning perspective, what you do, how you do it, uh, falls right in line with some of the ideas that I've been kicking around with another buddy of mine here too, uh, to how might you create an experience to teach certain martial arts techniques, uh, and use the camera, use other capabilities so that you can you can train and teach and learn and do uh shoot you know whether it's your it's a camera that's uh, positioned right below your tv that's watching you while you're doing it or that there might be that virtual um experience right here where you've got the floating hands so nifty stuff it's it's a long video but you'll you'll get the gist and you'll have some fun with it if you if you choose to watch it um we're going to switch gears and get into AI here for a little bit, but we're running out of time as we normally do. And last week we talked about Marvel uh, and about the secret invasion. And uh, I guess there's been an update here that says, no artist jobs were lost in the making of this trailer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you watched any of it yet? Because I've, I've watched the first two episodes. I thought they were good, dark, but good. Uh, and, and really the interesting thing about this story is – the, the studio that worked on this is actually holding the, the enterprise line that it's AI with humans, not AI instead of humans. And that really feeds into, I think, kind of the next article uh, from The Verge on the AI large language models and the, the um, challenge that that's causing, right? And, and I know I've had this discussion with a couple of people, I don't remember if we've had it on the show yet, uh, about kind of the downward spiral that could easily happen, uh, where there's there's two quotes that I want to call out of the previous uh, of of the the verge article. One of them is uh, a, a quote that says, "The primary problem is that while the answers which Chat GPT produces have a high rate of being incorrect, they typically look like they might be good, and the answers are very easy to produce. It takes too much time to sort the results. And so, moderators need to decide to ban it outright and what this tells me is the, the the answers that are generated are hard for a non-expert to tell that they're wrong okay and so if, unless you really know what it's giving, it's hard to know what they're if they're wrong or not because they're wrong in subtle ways and there's a couple of examples in the, in the article that that really call out that subtlety of incorrectness of the answer and there there are new jobs being created. for example, there's an AI editor being created whose job it will be go back to the corporate thing of AI helping people right AI mm-hmm. with humans right whose job will be to edit 200 to 250 articles a week. Now, if you're not an expert on the topic, yes, you could, quote, edit them for punctuation and simple stuff. But will you be an expert enough to catch the subtle problems in those articles? And does that drive us down um, the, the, the inshittification that we talked about before uh, from Cory Doctorow of the environments, right? So, so and then the second thing There's an interesting article that they point to from a a research paper from 2019 or an article from 2019 called The Bitter Lesson, which really talks about the model of AI and how AI gets better. Uh, And it doesn't have to get better by being better. It gets better by having more horsepower, right? Uh, And so once you get to a level of horsepower where it's so easy to generate accurate looking or accurate sounding answers, and you don't have experts who can validate them, you drive down the spiral instead of up the spiral. And so what I think the the challenge here will be that how do we, and this article kind of takes it across the entire web, right? how do we get to the point where content creation and content crawlers can focus on improvement Versus just getting an answer, right? Uh, I was I was doing an exchange on 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 Mastodon with somebody about, and we talked about this. How do you set up an appropriate GAN to where a large language model improves over time instead of feeding on the data that it generates, right? Uh, and so there's there's a there's a artic- thought that comes out in this article about um, the web itself and. In the early web, everything you wanted to know you could find on AltaVista, which was an index of human-created interesting sites, right? What happened then, so many sites were generated that that just couldn't keep up. There was so much content being created that it couldn't keep up. And the way it was solved was Google did page ranking. So you had a search engine throwing horsepower at it that used an algorithm to improve the value of the data coming back. Now, when we get to content on the web being generated at such a mass scale without expert validation, how are we going to get to the point where we actually can validate the content that's being created is of high enough quality that the engines that are ingesting it to parrot it back? like large language models, can actually provide good content back. And this article, I think, is really good along that. It talks about that from a stack overflow perspective. It talks about it from the fact that a lot of the, the credible sources like Reddit and others are shutting off their feeds to the large language models, right? Um, and you see corporate examples that I think that are very interesting that are trying to take the internal corpus and use that as the model for build the, the data for building the large language model. So it'll be interesting to see how we can from a large language model build models that are relevant for the space that they're in with the level of accuracy because right now we're generating content, but we're not generating necessarily accurate content.
1: Boy, you, you gave a ton of things to react to. So, um,
0: <laughs> Like I said, I, I, I enjoyed this article yeah, a lot. It, it, sound, it
1: sounds like it. Um, and we don't have time necessarily to, to go point by point. But there's a, there's a few things that you said that at least I have an interesting reaction to. One of them is cool. the whole idea of AI augmenting humans is, is certainly not new. And that's something that many aspire to uh, per the prior article um the notion of the ai assistant uh providing the editor who's got to handle 250 articles um that's another example of ai augmenting humans right you can't
0: no 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 this is this is the exact opposite right as i understood it this is they want to hire an, an editor to edit 200 to 250 articles generated by ai
1: right so that's a human
0: not to have the ai edit the articles
1: right so my my Proposition here is that when you hire the human, you need to augment that human with an AI. With
0: even more AI.
1: <laughs> that will help them do that 250 article editing so that they build up their model in such a way that they can handle 250 and then 350 and more, right? If that's really what's needed. Um, I'm seeing plenty, I'm sure you have too, with your journalism background of what I would consider just. Um, Particles. <laughs> just i know yeah, well I'm, I'm trying i'm trying to keep this as a family show um but um we'll, we'll just say um uh, um uh, amateur versions of journalism where there's yeah. bad grammar there's bad uh spelling there's homonyms that shouldn't be used in the same way i mean a whole range of things so so could you have an ai um editor assistant that helps the human do that i think that's absolutely the case um the, the too much to go on from a generative perspective th- that you addressed already, but maybe what I'll what I'll close on is the the bitter lesson is is intriguing. Google's challenge is a piece of trust that it has to find the things that are relatively correct from a search perspective, creating and generating maybe some answers that are a little bit better. And that's where examples like Wikipedia, Reddit, Stack Overflow, all of these examples, can they, mm-hmm. should they be ingested and pointed to? Because it's the people who have contributed those aspects that are going to be important. The answer for me is yes. I can see where there'll be generative AI that will now be creating answers in Stack Overflow and Wikipedia and it and it and, and that now is going to have to be sifted through, perhaps even by those AI and, editors who need an AI and that's editor. That's the one assistant. that
0: worries me. That that's the one that worries me is when it starts feeding back in. Yep. And it can do so at such a scale that the humans can't keep up and the AI editors may not be good enough. And so then you get into this downward spiral.
1: It, right. And and the way to get out of that, at least in some ways, is you can say, well, what's AI generated, what's human? And that requires the watermarking sets of capabilities, which you've also talked about, which is easy to defeat, right? Because if mm-hmm. you're dealing with, and it's not saying humans are infallible because, gosh, you, no. you and I both know <laughs> there are probably some people <laughs> that we consider fairly fallible. Um,
0: well, and, and exactly. And, and it really comes down to these tools are really, really good when used by experts because they know how to deal with the problem area. Right. And they can help people at the bottom who are trying to get a little bit better and are coached. It's that mid area where the majority of the work gets done that I I am worried about. And how do we fix that?
1: Yeah. And and, and to me, to to me, I think the answer there is there is a human who is augmented by ai that it will help and there are lots of intriguing articles about different styles of work and jobs where the right intervention at the right moment in time by an ai can do immensely more benefit and good than your periodic annual or semi-annual or monthly check-in with a manager who tries to coach you to go do something better if you catch people in the moment and you provide a specific, hey, knowing what I know from my corpus, here's what successful, highly successful people do for this job and these situations, here's a way to nudge you in the right direction, there's immense good that can come from that. All right, well, well, watching the time, we're we're about where we need to be. So we've got a couple additional links that we'll add to the show notes. um, That things that we found interesting, various uh, you know consumer stuff and you know movies, theater, that sort of thing. So so check them out and um <laughs> so get your friends to subscribe and and join us too and you know we'll call you out as an individual listener and if you even want you know a, a particular topic to be discussed like michael said share with us we're we're on an amazing number of channels let us know we'll happily talk about it on the next edition of games at work.biz. see ya <laughs>
0: been listening to games at the podcast about gaming technology and play we are part of the blueberry podcasting network and would like to thank the band random encounters for their song big blue you can follow us on twitter at games at work underscore biz or at our website at games at